It's not about us. It's about you, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, I bind every spirit. I bind every attitude. I bind every contrary spirit, every demonic spirit, every human spirit. I bind every spirit, oh God, that would come in this place and disrupt what your will is for this place. And I take authority and dominion over every spirit, oh God. According to your will, Lord, let it be done in Jesus' name. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Great and glorious and mighty are you, Lord Jesus. Your ways are perfect and they are past finding out. Great is your faithfulness, O God. Great is your love for us, O God. Great is your loving kindness, O God. Great is your power, Lord Jesus. Great is your spirit. Mighty is your blood. Mighty is your name, O God, that's above every name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Great are you, Lord Jesus. Great are you, Lord Jesus. We come before you, Lord, with singing, O God. Let the fruit of our lips, O God, be of worship and a praise unto you. Giving you the highest praise, O God. Hallelujah. 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 Glorious and mighty God. Have your way in this place. Have your way in this place. Have your way, O God. Have your way. Not our will, Lord Jesus. Or your will be done, God. Not our will, Lord Jesus. Your will be, Jesus, your will be done. Oh, God, that we would seek to please you, Jesus. Give us ears to hear, Lord Jesus. Eyes to see. Mind to understand and receive, oh, God. Let there be impartation, wisdom, and knowledge be imparted in this place tonight. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Speak rhema to your people, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, I'm glad to be in God's service. I'm glad to be in God's service. Glad to be in God's service one more time. He didn't have to let me live. No, he didn't have to let me live, but I'm glad to be in God's service one more time. Yes, I'm glad to be in God's service, glad to be in God's service, glad to be in God's service one more time. He didn't have to let me live. He didn't have to let me live. And I'm glad to be in God's service one more time. It's a joy. Well, it's a joy to be in God's service. To be in God's service. A joy to be in God's service one more time. Well, He didn't have to let me live. No, he didn't have to let me live, but I'm glad to be in God's service one more time. We just love him right now, Lord Jesus. We love you. Lord, we're so thankful that you allowed us to live and move and have our being today. You allowed our heart to beat, oh God. You allowed us to breathe every breath, oh God. You allowed us to have eyes to see, physical and spiritual eyes, oh God. You allowed us to have ears to hear. Lord, you woke us up, oh God, and started us on our way. You gave us a clear mind and a clear conscience today. There was nothing that we did, oh God. Nothing that we did. We can't take any credit or glory for anything today. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. When we're singing that, we're not talking about a church service. Right? Everybody understands that. We're talking about in His service. I'm in His service. I belong to Him. He paid a price. He bought us. He paid the ultimate price and He bought us. We don't belong to ourselves any longer. We belong to Him. So I'm glad.
that He's allowing me today, another day to be in His service, to be in service to my Lord, to do whatever He wants me to do, to say whatever He wants me to say. And I try not to let myself get in the way. Because we're flesh. Flesh will get in the way. Because we like what we like. Amen. (laughs) Just trying to encourage you this evening. Amen. Amen. To the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 17, verse 1 through verse 11. 1 Samuel, chapter 17, verse 1 through verse 11. So glad to have Jason and Hillary here one more time. <laughs> Amen. It's going to be sad to see them go, but I know they got to go. And it's going to be sad that they're not leaving their dog behind, but it just is what it is. Her and Ginger just getting along so wonderfully. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Ginger's like, get this little young thing out away from me. She's messing with my mojo here. She really is. It's just funny to watch. Hallelujah. I love God, don't you? Amen. I'm glad he's in charge and not me. Oh, hallelujah. What a mess it would be. <laughs> hallelujah. 1 Samuel 17, verse 1 through 11. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together in Shoko, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shoko and Azekah in Ephes Damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. There went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of his coat was 5,000 shekels of brass, and he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are ye come? Out to set your battle in array. Am I not a Philistine? And ye servants to Saul? He was mocking them. Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. And if he be able to fight me and kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy. You know, God is always listening. He's, he's always listening to every thought. He knew the thoughts of the Pharisees in the set. He knew their thoughts. He knew the thoughts of his disciples. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel. Israel was God's chosen people. Even though they'd made some mistakes, they were God's chosen people. And he's standing there defying, I don't think he understood what he was saying. The armies of Israel this day, give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. You can be seated. Well, let me tell you, God was fixing to answer his prayer, his request. It wasn't going to be King Saul, it was going to be God. Matthew Henry's concise commentary of the whole Bible says of 1 Samuel 17, 1-11, 
Men so entirely depend on God in all things that when He withdraws His help, the most valiant and resolute cannot find their hearts or their hands, as daily experience shows. Why is that important? You know that the Lord spoke this to me while I was praying just here this afternoon. Fear leads to doubt. And doubt leads to unbelief. Unbelief can lead to separation from God and His truth. And that's how it happens. If you've ever asked yourself, how in the world did that person backslide? That's... That could be one way right there. It started with fear. It's, it went to doubt. Then it went to unbelief. And when you get to unbelief, it's not hard for the enemy to just take you the rest of the way out. Because you're not believing anything. That God might send a hundred men of God to say some things to you from a pulpit, and you're not believing it. You're not hearing it. And sadly, that's what happened to Saul. Saul failed to be under authority of God, under the authority of God, through the prophet Samuel. How many knows we got to be under authority? You've you got to be under authority to somebody. Somebody is your spiritual head. If you don't know who that is, you need to go find out. Ask God to show you who your spiritual head, and you better get underneath of that, your spiritual head, and stay there and be obedient to that. Because of his disobedience and failure to submit to God's authority through his chosen vessel, he was rejected by God. Not by man, by God. Although he was still in a position of authority as the king, he had no actual authority as far as God was concerned. How do we know this? Well, just a little earlier in this chapter in the book of 1 Samuel 15, 17 through 23, we, we kind of get us some insight into why, why this is true. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. Who anointed him? The Lord. Samuel, Samuel was the man that God used to do that. Saul didn't anoint himself. We can't anoint ourselves to be in charge. You have to tell somebody you're in charge. You're not. Pretty simple. Verse 18, The Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until, until when? Until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord? That's kind of the end of the conversation right there. But didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord. And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. And I have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Kind of a half-truth right there, wasn't it? How many knows that half-truth is, you might as well just call it a lie. A little bit of truth mixed with a little bit of deception is a lie. But the people took the, of the spoil. Boy, that's a, a poor king if I ever heard of one. He went right to blaming the people. Wow. The people that you gave me took of the spoil, the sheep and the oxen, the chief things, which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. It's like they did it without checking with the king. They just went out on their own. Well, who's? wait a minute. Who's the king? Who's in charge? Who's accountable? If, if the, the people did it, guess who's going to get the blame? Not the people, if we're doing this right. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey, we love this scripture is better than sacrifice, and it's so true. And to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion 
Rebellion. Rebellion. We can have a whole month worth of lessons on that word. Rebellion. Is as the sin of witchcraft. It's bad. Rebellion's bad. If it's being compared to the sin of witchcraft, it's bad. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Iniquity is, I want to do it my way. I don't want to do it God's way. That's what iniquity is. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, Jesus actually said that. We'll get to that in a little bit. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and that word, word right there is not like the word, like the Logos, because there was no Logos in the Old Testament. So what, what does that word, word mean? The spoken word. God told the prophet to go anoint King Saul king. And God told the prophet to tell Saul, you're going to go in there, you're going to wipe everything out, everybody out, and you're going to take them out. Why was God telling him to do that? Because he was getting rid of a problem that if they didn't get rid of it, it was going to give them problems later on down the road. And all he had to do was just do what he was told to do. And he didn't. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. So we find in verse in chapter 17, he's still king. Well, he was king in name only, I guess. God hadn't replaced him yet. He was about to. So Saul, he wanted everyone to forget all about what had just happened, as though it was, a, it was no, no consequence. Just a little minor incident. But, you know, we just kept the king and a few animals. No big deal. Come on, Samuel, lighten up. That's what he was saying. He believed, he really believed that he obeyed the will of God and properly exercised his God-given authority. He really believed that. He was believing his own lie. But he was doing things the way he wanted to do it. And then he was blaming the people. But ultimately, the responsibility fell on Saul. Because Samuel didn't come talk to the people. He came straight to Saul. And he said, Saul, you didn't do what God told you to do. You did it your own way. And because you did it your own way, because of iniquity, you're out. The blessing in the hand of God was removed from King Saul. No more of God's authority rested with him. Even though he was exercising authority, he had them on that hillside in battle. He had God was not backing him up in any way. So in 1 Samuel 17, we're going to jump around three verses, separated out here a little bit. In verse 26 of 1 Samuel 17, it says, And David spoke to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? Wow. How refreshing was that? Somebody that really cared about the name of God. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Here was Saul's replacement. And nobody really knew it at the moment. Just this little boy that was a sheep herder. Verse 36. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. Verse 46. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand. Now he's talking to his enemy. Now he's talking to the one that said, I'm going to defy the armies of the living God. The one that God was listening to when he said that. God said, okay, I'll send you a man. <laughs> Be careful what you ask for, Goliath. 
Because God had another plan. And David was fully and completely willing and ready to do it God's way and no other way. Because that's the only way he defeated that lion and that bear. That's the only. David knew that. And so this day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the, thy, give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air. Not just Goliath, but the whole army of the Philistines. And to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Wow. God's always listening. Even when somebody like Goliath stands up there, ignorant as all get out, and says what he says, he has no idea the the repercussions and ramifications of what he's saying. Right? So God did things his way. And he didn't just launch David out there and say, all right, he's the king. He sent him out there just to take care of this one little problem called Goliath. Amen. Fearful or fearless? Fearful or fearless? Which one are we? It said that the people of God were fearful and afraid when Salt, when when Goliath stood out there and challenged the armies of the living God, they cowered in fear because their leader had no authority. They had lost the authority and the power of God that stood behind Israel. God always does things the way He wants to do them. When, when, when Samuel said that to Saul, why didn't the question that I have is, why didn't he just take him out right there? Why did he leave him in there? If, he, if, if the hand of God was off Saul, why didn't he just in, stop being king right at that moment? Anybody else have that question besides me? Because <laughs> I just... We kind of read past this stuff sometimes, but I kind of get stuck on stuff like that. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I got a question. <laughs> Why did he let Saul keep on being king? Because who was David talking to in this one scripture? He was telling Saul, I killed the bear, I killed the lion, and I'm going to kill that dude right there. What a dangerous place to be in. To not have the voice of God, to not have, not to be under the authority of God, to be able to hear His voice and know what you're supposed to do, regardless of whether you think it's the right thing to do or not, it's what God said to do. What a dangerous place for us to be in. That doesn't just happen to people like King Saul. That can happen to us. And we can believe a lie. We can just go along believing like, oh, well, I'm fine. And not realize that we are... Somehow or another, we've fallen out of the will of God. We've fallen out of the grace of God. God's not talking to us anymore. I would want to know that. Wouldn't you? I'd want to know that. (laughs) Tell me, please, God, don't let me go the way of Saul. Saul was fearful of the people. He was worried about what the people thought. Who are we supposed to be pleasing here? Men? That's not what Jesus said. You can either please men or God. What did, what did, God, what did the Lord tell the prophet Jeremiah? Don't be focused on or worried about what's on their faces. Did he not say that, elder? He said that. Why did he tell him that? Because God knew that the things that He was telling that prophet to go tell the people, they weren't going to be, they weren't going to like it, and they were going to make some ugly faces over some of the stuff He said. And He was telling Jeremiah, "Don't worry about what their faces are saying. 
Just say what I sent you to say. Let me worry about the details. <laughs> God's going to take care of the details. Amen? Mark, chapter 4, verse 35. Jesus' name. Jesus tested the disciples, didn't he? He tested their faith. He tested how much they trusted him. He tested how much they loved him. Because if you really love the Lord, it's not just about trust and faith. It's about how much you love the Lord. I love him enough to give him full and complete control to direct every aspect of my life. Maybe even to the point of what clothes to wear. Now, you think that might sound a little silly, right? But let's just give me a, let me give you a scenario real quick here. So let's say that God is talking to some sinner out there that's been searching for truth. And God says to them in a dream or some vision or whatever, because he does that, they don't have to have the Holy Ghost and be baptized in Jesus' name for God to talk to them. And God says to that person, now today, I want you to get up and go to church. And when you get there, there's going to be a guy in tan pants and a blue suit with a tan pocket square. He's going to tell you some things that you need to hear. Can God do that? He, he's done that. Or things to that effect. Many, many times. Jesus told them when you get to that house there's going to be a donkey outside and there's going to be a man there and when he and when you go to take the donkey and the man says hey what are you doing with my donkey and they he told him what to tell him the master has need of it and the guy said go so he'd do that he can tell a, a sinner that's searching for god that's saying i'm i'm about to commit suicide god if you don't tell me something today okay you're going to go see a guy and it's just like i described it doesn't have to be me it could be somebody else you're going to have a, see a bald man with a blue spark. <laughs> Whatever God's going to tell him. It might be you. You're going to run into a lady at the Walmart, and she's going to have a dark blue blouse on and white hair. He'll tell you. He'll tell them. Now, is it important for you to know what to put on that day? It's real important. Because what if I'm not listening to the God that I serve so much that I miss that. Can that happen? And if I miss that, if I miss the voice of God that's so gently and quietly telling me not the tan suit coat, the blue one. And it sounds funny, but it's God does stuff like that. I want to be in the will of God to the point where I know that it's Him telling me to put this on so that I'm in the right place at the right time wearing the right stuff when I'm supposed to be there to say what I need to say. Because that soul is hanging in the balance and they're, they're depending on me to be obedient to the voice of God. And it sounds so elementary and so silly, but how, how minute does God have to work? I mean, He gave them distinct instructions of what to do to find the upper room. And they followed his instructions to the letter, and guess what? They found the upper room that he meant for them to find. How did he know that? How did he know when he told Andrew, well, I saw you under the juniper tree. <laughs> He's like, How would you see me there? You've never been there, Matthew. Names. I just have a problem with names. I can't remember people's names. Five minutes after you told me your name, I gotta go ask you again. But if you tell me your phone number, I'll remember it for years. It's just how my brain works. Nathaniel, thank you. I'm glad for men of God in my life. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hey, for hey, correction and instruction in righteousness, right? It can happen right in the middle of a church service. You didn't say when. You just said it it's good for that, right? Thank God. Hallelujah. Where were we? Mark thirty Mark four thirty five. And the same day when evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. When they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was into the ship, and there was also 
with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, don't you care that we perish? Don't carest thou not that we perish? How in the world, Jesus, can you be? How dare you sit in the back and take a nap? Don't you know we're about to sink here? Isn't that what we do? When we get in a trial and we start telling God all the details of, woe is me. Oh God, I'm going through this horrible thing like he doesn't know. He's listening. He knows everything. He knew you were going to go through that before you did. And he said he arose and rebuked the wind. He didn't even answer him right away. Look, look how easy this is, boys. He re- arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Don't you trust me? Don't you trust that if I'm with you, nothing's going to happen to you? Doesn't mean that there's not going to be a storm. There's going to be storms. And it's not going to just be one and done. (laughs) Well, I got through my storm. Hallelujah. I'm coasting from here. No, that ain't the way it happens. And, you know, I don't know how God decides who goes through storms and who doesn't and what kind of storms you go through and what kind. Why why do I have to go through the storms i got to go through? Why can't I go through the storms he's? Well, you don't want that kind of storm because that's for him, not for me. Whatever storms he decides to, to let you go through, guess what? It's for your good. It's to help you learn something. It's to test you. To see how much you love him. How much you trust him. That's why he said, where's your faith? And they feared exceedingly. And said one to another, what manner of man is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. Sometimes we still don't get it. (laughs) God does a miracle right in front of us and we don't get it. We just... Oh, well, that's nice. And we just look right past it. Everything, I got it in big bold letters, like 40 font. Everything's a test. Everything's a test. Everything in your life, if you're an apostolic, is a test. Everything's a test. To what extent of the, of the test it is, that's between God and you. What's the Bible say? If we love Him, we'll take up our cross daily and follow Him. Well, who's doing the crucifying? Me? Is that me crucifying myself? Can you do that? Sister Bell, could you crucify yourself, literally? You could get, you could get one nail in this hand, maybe one nail on each foot, but how are you going to get the nail in this one? You can't. It's not possible. So who's doing the crucifying? Jesus. How's he do that? Tests, trials, difficulties, temptations. No temptation has taken you, but such is common to man. That doesn't just apply to certain people. It applies to everybody. You're living and walking and breathing and you got you got eyes you can see with and ears you can hear with and feet you can walk on. You're going to go through some temptations. You're going to go through some trials and tests and some difficulties, some storms in your life. Are you going to trust Him? Are you going to believe Him? Or are you going to blame? You know, why, Daddy? Why is grass green? Why is dirt dirty? You know, anybody that raised kids knows what I'm talking about. Questions like that. Why is the sky blue? Why is 
It's okay to ask God why. It really is. But be ready for the answer he's going to give you. And he might just say, because. Just because I want to. It's for your good. We don't want to hear the answer. Do we? Everything Jesus did in the training of his disciples was a test. Why? He knew they needed to be prepared for what was coming. They were going to go through some stuff. Not crucifixion like he went through, but they were getting they were fixing to go through some persecution and some stuff. Paul Paul was going to have to die. Peter was they're all going to have to die for the sake of the gospel at some point. Didn't they? Do we get out of that? That was only for them for that time, right? No, it's not. All who live godly in Christ Jesus, there's that word, shall. Shall. What does shall mean? It's going to happen. You ain't getting around it. You ain't skirting it. You ain't going to get out of it. You can't bribe your way out of it. They shall suffer persecution. So you need to just resign yourself to that's what the Bible says. So when you're going through persecution, remember that scripture. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> that do, well, I'm going to suffer. Oh, hallelujah. What did the disciples say when they were beaten and they were let go? They counted it they counted themselves worthy to be suffering for his sake. Oh hallelujah, brother, and we took a beating for Jesus. Anybody else want to go? That's what they said. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what they said. So the things that Job and Joseph and Esther and others went through, was that all for a test to prepare them for what the thing was that God was calling them to do? God needed to prepare Joseph for the role that he was going to play. He needed to prepare him to deal with his brothers that sold him into slavery. God's going to send us through some stuff like he did Job to make us even more pure than we think we already are. Esther didn't like the fact that she got just lumped in with a bunch of other women. You know, what if they hadn't have picked Esther? She'd have just been a concubine of the king. But she was... Those words in the Bible aren't just there by happenstance. How do you know that you're not here at this moment, at this very moment in time, for such a time as this, Esther? Could that, can that apply to all of us? We are here at this moment in time for such a time as this. He let us stay on this earth for a reason. What that is for each one of us, I don't know. For you, to some extent, I'm still searching it out for me. And I'm just trying to follow Him the best I know how every day. Matthew 10, 27-39. What I tell you in darkness, that speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, that in the ear, that preach you on the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Shout. They're numbered. It doesn't say he counted them. It said they're numbered. Big difference. (laughs) Whether they're shaved or not, he knows exactly which ones fell out and which ones didn't. By number. That's what this says. 
Whosoever shall confess me before men, isn't that what he's called each one of us to do? Him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, is it possible for us to be guilty of that? Subtly or otherwise? Absolutely. Him will I also will I deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. That's a hard scripture right there. I like to call scriptures like that one of the hard scriptures in the Bible. Because Jesus is saying it. That makes it even harder. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be them of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. That cross is the things that he puts in your life to help you to be saved and not be lost and not backslide. That's what that, that's what that is. So I know it sounds weird and it sounds hard, but we need to be thankful for every trial and test that we have to go through, whether it's physical in our body or whether it's something to do with family or finances or whatever it is. We need to thank God with a pure heart. I don't understand it, God, and you might not tell me the reasons why, but I I thank you for allowing me to go through this storm that I'm going through. Because if you're allowing me to go through it, I must need it. Because he's not going to just lead you out there and forget about you. Oh, oops, I'm sorry. I left you in that storm. I'm so sorry. Let me come get you out of that. No, it's not how he works. He knows right where you are at every moment of every day. Don't be fearful. He that findeth his life shall lose it. Study that scripture. (laughs) He that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Think about what it means to lose your life. He that findeth his life shall lose it. He that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Sounds an awful lot to me like you, you, you have to acknowledge you're not in charge anymore of anything. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What did Jesus do? He sought to please the Father. Everything he did, everywhere he went. He said so many times in the New Testament. Acts 4, 13, 14. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, kind of switching gears here and going in another direction, if you're not picking that up. We were talking about fear up to this point. What it does to you. Now we're going to talk about something else. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They were ignorant and unlearned, but they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, where did they get their boldness? They didn't just muster it up on their own. They didn't just wake up in the morning and go, Hey, John, on their cell phone, this is Pete. Let's go be bold today. Go do something bold today, man. Come on. No, that's not what they did. They were just following the Lord. They were following the Holy Ghost. Should we be following the Holy Ghost? If He wants us to go be bold somewhere, isn't He going to tell us to do that? He's not going to just say, I want you two men to be bold today. He's just going to tell them, I want you to go over there. 
I don't want you to make a big deal about it. I don't want you to scream and holler and yell, and I don't want you to huck a buck and all that. I just want you to go lay hands on this guy in this hospital and just bind whatever's making him sick and loose the power of my healing into his body, period, end of story, and then walk out. Should you do that exactly the way he told you to do it? Exactly the way he told you to do it. Don't add anything to it. Don't take anything away from it. Just go do what he said. And that's what they did. It was the people that were observing this that saw the boldness. Peter and John didn't think of it as a boldness. They were just obeying the Holy Ghost. Imagine if we just obeyed the Holy Ghost and went where we're supposed to go and said what we're supposed to say and not worried about whether being bold or not. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray, God, let me have boldness, holy boldness and faith. I want that. I pray that. But let it be according to your will, not mine. Let me go out and see if I can exercise some of my own boldness. What's going to happen when we do that? We might be out of the will of God and we might just run somebody off. Has that happened before? Oh, yeah. We mean well. We just got out of the will of God. Acts 4, 29, 31. Now, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto us thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. By stretching forth thine hand to heal, and thy signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Lord, as you're sending us into this situation, give us holy boldness to follow exactly what you want us to say. Let it be for your glory, not mine. That's what I read out of that. So there's no fear in there, is there? They weren't fearful. Anybody ever feel like God told you to go do something and you felt that hesitancy? Like, I don't know. Sounds kind of weird. Sure, You sure about that, God? (laughs) You sure you didn't mean somebody else? Whether we admit it or not, we've done that. (laughs) You don't mean me, God. Little old me. Yeah. He used little old David, little old Esther, little old Jake, Job. He used little old Joseph, youngest guy in the family at that time. He used you. You just make yourself available. Hebrews ten nineteen to 23. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Who's talking? Well, we think it's Paul, the writer of Hebrews. Some believe it's Paul. Some believe it's somebody else, but... Doesn't matter really, does it? Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Who's he talking about? Jesus. And having a high priest over the house of God. He's our high priest. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled with an evil from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. We don't have to fear. We don't have to fear. Don't fear what men will do to you. We already read that. Fear what God can do. He can send your soul and body to hell. Don't worry about what men think. Isn't that what the enemy does to us when God's sending us to speak a word to somebody? Nah, don't talk to them. You're going to sound like an idiot. You're going to sound ignorant. They're going to, they're going to probably spit in your face. I wouldn't do it if I were you. Any, devil ever, ever talked to anybody like that? Absolutely. But you just have to know when... When God told you to go do something and the next thing you hear is that, you know. You should know that that's exactly what you're going to go do. (laughs) If he's trying to talk you out of it, there's got to be a good reason. Because he don't want you to go do that because he knows that the end result's going to be that he's going to lose another one. 
Hallelujah. <laughs> Somebody came and talked to me, and the devil lost another one. I thank God that they didn't hesitate. They spoke what God told them to speak, and here I stand today. Here some of you are today. Because somebody ignored the devil, ignored the lie, ignored the deception, and said, I'm going to go do what God told me to do and say what He told me to say. Because this soul, souls are precious to Him, and this, soul, this person's soul is in the balance. And it might just be the difference if I just go say something. Even if you plant a seed and they walk away. You did what God told you. The results are not your problem, are they? I can't save anybody. I can't really even save myself. I need Him to save me. Right? Praise God. Matthew 7, 21 to 23. I don't purposely keep going here. He just keeps taking me. Okay? So if God keeps repeating the same thing over and over again from different people that stand behind this desk, hello? You think he's trying to get a point across to somebody? How many times when you were raising your kids did you have to repeat things to them several times before they got it? Any parents in the room say amen? We're his kids, aren't we? Sometimes, I, you know, I want God. I don't know about you, but I want God to keep repeating it to me until I get it. Don't you? Not everyone that saith unto me. And Jesus doesn't just say this stuff flippantly. There's a reason why the Holy Ghost is speaking this in this room right now. Okay? It's for somebody. You decide who that is. I don't. He does, and you do. Because I can't get into your heart and see where you're at and see what your attitudes and motives are, but Jesus knows everything about you right now. So you receive this if it's for you. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Sounds really simple, doesn't it? The problem comes in when the will of my Father could be just anything. Sky's the limit. He's God. He's in charge. He didn't call you to do that thing because He thought you were capable. He's calling you to do that because He knows you're not capable in your flesh, in your intelligence, in your intellect, in your super spirituality. He knows that you're not. That's why He's asking you to do it. Because He knows if you'll do it, He will get the glory. Because the Bible says He's not sharing His glory with another. If we take glory and credit for something that God uses us for, we're entering dangerous territory. The things that the Father was asking Jesus to do as He walked as a man on this earth, they were not comfortable. Jesus didn't live a comfortable life, did He? He didn't have anywhere to lay His head, the Bible said. He didn't have His own bed. Once he got into his ministry, once he left that carpenter shop for the last time and walked over to John, from that point on, he just was constantly doing something, doing ministry of some kind or another, loving people. The things that he was doing weren't comfortable. They weren't popular. What you're going to say to somebody that God's telling you to say, it's not going to be popular. It's not going to be easy. And they might spit on you. They might yell at you. They might cuss you out. They might even haul off and hit you. What are you going to do about it? How are you going to respond to that? It's a test, right? Everything's a test. We don't know if God's intending to save that soul or not. It doesn't matter. 
He just told you to go say what He wanted you to say. Go say it. You did what you were told. Walk away. Be done with it. Let God work out the rest. But Jesus was our example, wasn't He? I'm going to get to the other two verses. (laughs) By 8 (laughs) o'clock. He was our example. Over and over and over, I already said this earlier, He said, I'm not here to do what I want to do. Can I paraphrase? Is that okay? I'm not here to do what I want to do. I'm here to do what my Heavenly Father wants me to do. If I can put it in plain English. That's what He was saying. Everything He did. When He stopped to stop talk to blind Bartimaeus, the Father told Him to do that. When all His guys around Him were going, No, 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 shut that man up. Don't he understand who this is? Yeah. Bartimaeus understood exactly who it was. And God intended for him to stop there. When he was going to that woman at the well, what did his disciples say? No, we don't have to go through Samaria, do we? We have to go through that hick town, no way. But Jesus had somebody he had to go minister to in that place. And then when he got there to the well, what did he do? He got rid of all the negativity. He sent his disciples into town to buy some food so they wouldn't get in the way. I don't, I don't want to be one of those kind of disciples. <laughs> Jesus has got to send me down the road to the quick trip to get something so I won't be there to mess up the deal that he's trying to do. And what happened because of that woman at the well? That one soul that he ministered to. The one that was married five times and the one she was living with wasn't married her husband now. What happened because of that one soul? He went out of his way to an uncomfortable place, to an unpopular place. What happened to that town? Because of her. When the, when the guy was full of devils and he was cutting himself and had chains and he was breaking the chains... When he said, Jesus, let me go with you. (laughs) What did he say? No, your town needs a witness. You know what he's doing? God knows exactly what he's doing. Doesn't matter if we understand it, like it, etc., etc., etc. And all he's asking us to do in our ministry that we have is to do what he did. It's so simple. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. It's so simple. Yet it's so hard. Why is it so hard? Because we like being in charge. We, we do. We like being in control. We like to have a say in things. Don't we? If we were honest, we would say yes. We don't like to have to give give up control over anything in our life. I want to God, I want you to control everything but this one little thing over here. Now, if you were bartering with God and you were trying to work a deal and you said, "I'll give you 90%, I just want control over this little 10% over here." Would he be okay with that? Okay, 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 okay. 5. 5%. Would he be okay with that? Nope. Okay, okay, okay. One percent. Nope. God's silent. Okay, all right, all right, half a percent. Nope. He wants all of us. Every part. Heart, soul, mind, strength. Every thought. The Bible says bring every thought to the obedience of Christ. Let the words of my mouth the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight. How do we do that? Let Him tell you what to say. Let Him decide what you're going to think. Simple. Many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in Thy name? And in Thy name have cast out devils? And in Thy name have done many wonderful works? Sounds like a bunch of Holy Ghost-filled, baptized in Jesus' name people to me. Doesn't it? 
Because you can't be doing all that stuff without the power of the name of Jesus, can you? Can Jesus be prophesying while he's talking? Absolutely. And then will I profess unto them who said this, I never knew you. It's talking about a relationship, isn't it? He never had a relationship with them. We didn't have a right relationship. I never knew. I didn't know who you were. We didn't have a relationship. Just because you were doing all this stuff in my name, that doesn't mean we have a relationship. (laughs) The sons of Sceva (laughs) tried to adjure some spirits in some guy by the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. And what happened to them? Right? They got run out of town on a rail without their clothes. I never knew you. I don't ever want to hear that. Some people are going to hear that. <laughs> Last day, Brother Parker, some people are going to hear that. That's not just there to be there, that's going to happen. Some people are going to hear that that aren't going to be expecting to hear that. You ever heard something that that just totally shocked you and you go, what? You're kidding me. That's what's going to happen. Some people that don't think they're going to hear that are going to hear that. And it's going to shock them. And they're going to know at that moment that it's too late. And then he's going to say to them, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. We already talked about iniquity was me wanting to do things my own way. Isn't that really what the root of all what the devil of Satan, of Lucifer did? He, he got sick and tired of God making all the decisions. He wanted to make some of those decisions. He wanted, he wanted to have a little skin in the game, if you will. And God said, no, it's my kingdom. And he was rebellious. And because of iniquity and because of rebellion, because of stubbornness, he got the boot. And we're dealing with him today. But his day's coming. And we know his day's coming because he's letting out all the stops right now in this world. If you don't believe that... I don't want to say go watch the news, but if you don't believe that, you need to look around. The devil's letting out all the stops. It's not subtle anymore. It's just up in your face. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Isn't that what the Bible says? Look, we've got to look for him. But while we're looking for him, we've got to be looking around. Where, who do you want me to talk to today, God? Where do you want me to go? How do you want me to do it? You want me to have this job? You don't want me to have this job. You want me to live in this house? Oh, you want to take this house away. Did he take everything away from Job? He absolutely did. What is Job's response? Naked I came, naked I'll return. I didn't have any of this when I got here, and I ain't going to be able to take it with me when I go. We're his stewards of the things he's blessed us with. Everything. Our bank accounts, our houses, our cars, everything. It's his. This is his. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's all his. Amen. Let's stand. God, make us fearless and not fearful. The enemy's not going to let up. He's going to try to make you fearful. He's going to try to tell you it's, it's useless to even try. He's going to try to tell you all kinds of lies about why you even bother. Why, why you even bother coming here. And if you listen to that stuff and make it your own thought and buy off on what he's saying, now you've made it your own thought. Now you've made now it, it's to cease to be a temptation. Now it's sin. He, is, he will not be happy until he tries to get one of us to become a trophy in hell. Trophy of hell. I'm his trophy. I want to stay in his trophy case. I want to not be fearful, but I want to be fearless. 
And so we're going to have to, you know, find a place in our life where we're going to have to start working some things out with God. If you're feeling fearfulness in your life, you need to start asking God, help me. We have not because we ask not. And it's not asking a mess to say, God, I need your help. I want to please you. I know I'm sinning. I'm falling short. I know I am, God. I don't want to keep falling short. Help me to grow. Help me to learn. I want to grow in God, don't you? Amen. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your good word. We thank you for your power and your glory. We thank you, Father, for saving us and delivering us, O oh God, and giving us power and authority and dominion over the enemy, Lord Jesus. We thank you for giving us your grace and your mercy and your love, O oh God. We thank you for allowing us to be your servants, to allowing us to be in your service, in service to our Lord, in service to our King, in service to our Savior. We thank you for allowing us, O oh God, the privilege and the honor of serving you today. Lord, I'm praying that you would have your way. I'm praying for me. You pray for you. I want you to have your way, God, in my life. Whatever that means, you have your way, God. I'll go where you tell me to go. I'll say what you tell me to say. I'll do what you tell me to do. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house this day, Lord, to hear from heaven. Thank you for the opportunity to be among your people. Lord, bless us and go with us. Lead us and guide us and direct us as we go from this place. Bring us back here again. But if it be your will, Lord Jesus, on this next service on Sunday, in Jesus' name.